Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks. And now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. No thanks. Nothing. I'll pass. Dr. Debbie, thank you so much for bringing in more. What are these little muffins? Are these leftovers from Left, the holidays? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want them. They're getting out of my house. That's all I know. Uh, we're all dieting now. Probably you are too. And that'll last, uh, well, if it's your New Year's resolution, that ought to last about a couple of weeks. That so. long? Yeah. For me, it, <laughs> that's about it for me. And then I'm back onto the... Uh, the burgers and all the, the fattening food. Uh, hey, guess what? On today's show, a guest who hasn't been on for 11 years, and I had to research no. this. It's, couldn't believe it. We're going to have Victoria Jackson, comedian Victoria Jackson, back on. And you're probably saying, why? <laughs> Certainly, that's a great question. Uh, she is a co-writer in a song about dogs. And this song, uh, written and sung by Kimberly Dom. She's from the supergroup Boston. You remember Boston? Oh, yeah. She was actually yeah. the first female bassist in that group there. Wow. So she has a brand new song. And with the help of Victoria, they wrote this great song about dogs. And they'll be playing the song today on the show. And they'll be talking about it. And i got to say, a lot of things have happened to Victoria since... She was last on the air. Well, I would think so. That's a long time. She ran for political office. Really? She was inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame, and she battled cancer. She Uh had uh, uh, stage three breast cancer. Oh, jeez. And she fought it, and she won, and she'll tell us a little bit about it and how her animals were a part of all of that. Wow. Uh, Good for her. That's coming up on the show today. Uh, What are you working on, Lori? I have um, dug up from uh, last year. The top 10 most popular pets on Instagram. And let me say the least of them, like number 10, has more than a million followers. So they're all incredibly popular. (laughs) I don't spend a lot of time on Instagram or Facebook. I'll admit that. I only know one animal that has their own social media, and that would be Grumpy Cat. So I'm sure Grumpy Cat's on the list somewhere there. Yeah, had to make the list. Grumpy Cat is on the list. But you know one good thing about Instagram, and you might want to try it. Okay. I find it much less stressful than Facebook. Because it's usually pretty good pictures, yeah. Okay, I'll give it a try. People aren't as snarky as they are on Twitter. So you'll tell me some of the great Instagram. The most the most popular pets, the 10 most popular pets on Instagram. That I should look up. Okay. That's on the way in just a few minutes. Let's take some calls for Dr. Debbie. Hey, Sandra. Welcome to the show. What's going on with you today? Okay. I have two cats. Hannah is four, and Gracie is a year and a half. And they're both rescues. And Hannah's been an only cat for quite some time. I had a brother, but he ran away. And so I thought, because of my work schedule... And um, Grace, uh, excuse me, Hannah showing some separation issues, like guarding the front door anytime I would go out, even to take the trash, and crying and doing some other things that a friend would be good for her. So I adopted Gracie about two months ago, and Hannah just seems to seek her out to beat her up all the time, mm. and um, she even like just glares at her and. Gracie is like the sweetest cat possible. She's a little talker, and it's taken her some time to get used to being here, but now she's real happy, and she even rolls over like a dog and shows her belly and comes and sits on top of me and licks my face, and Hannah just comes up and out of the blue and just smacks her for no reason whatsoever. 
and I bought the little um, plug-in okay. for the multicast, and also I have the holistic drops that I put in her water um, that both of them have, and it seems to have gotten a little bit better, but it's a continuous, a continuous thing with the, the hissing, the growling, mm-hmm. uh, just running up and biting her on the butt sometimes. And okay. uh, I, yeah. I come home and I find little patches of fur here and there. Oh, no. The fur is really flying in your house there. So, Sandra, I have a couple just points I want to raise because anytime we have kitties that are introduced to a home already with kitties, there are a couple points that I do like to highlight. The first one is really that um, cats, males, females, it's not really an issue, um, you know, sexes um, of how we integrate cats. What is really important is we try to find cats with similar personalities. That's going to allow us to have the best chance that they're going to acclimate um, together and be most compatible. Not that, that doesn't mean they can't be compatible, but it's sometimes hard to get a cat that's very passive and quiet to be great buds with a very boisterous, outgoing, um, somewhat, say, aggressive cat. Um, so generally, when I kind of counsel people before they get kitties, I advise them to try to kind of stick to the same personalities. Um, it, it's just kind of like, you know, you know, if kids like to play uh, football and they like to play rough sports, you know, they're going to hang out with friends kind of that like those same activities. And cats are very similar in that way. So um, that's one important thing just to recognize. So if your cats don't have that same common interest and in activity, you know, we just have to kind of change our expectations a bit here. The second thing um, that I like to mention with introducing a new cat to the home and most common mistake that most cat owners do is we throw the cats together quickly and we just expect them to figure it out. So the best introductions for a new cat into the home is actually a very gradual, slow transition that we start by separating them physically, letting them get used to the smell, the sound of each other, and particularly it's best if they are separated by some kind of physical barrier, say like a door, where they can be fed right by the door, they can eat and associate something really pleasant with the smell or the sound of another critter. And they're just trying to like, you know, we're trying to build a positive association. So that's the best way to start this process. If we kind of just kind of get into it and we're um, having some issues and we're kind of fast forwarding here and having cats that aren't getting along, the very, very important things that we look at is what's really kind of starting the aggressive bouts. Sometimes it's play, sometimes it's territory or just social um, related issues. So the, th- the things I'd advise you to look at in the cat environment are really, number one is to check the resources that you have in the home. Cats will fight over anything. Um, So that means litter box. That means food, water access, um, position um, high points in the house, window seats, things like that. So we want to make sure they have ample resources. So you want to have more than one litter box. You want to have more than one food and water station. And you particularly want to check for things that cats would notice, but we don't always notice. Things like their access points. 
on the traffic flow in the house. So great example is I have a client whose cat kept getting attacked by another cat in the home. And we recognize that the cat had to go down this narrow hallway to go anywhere in the house. And the other cat sat there and would just ambush it. So it was very difficult for that cat to get anywhere to do anything comfortably and not to be socially stressed. So we had to kind of change that cat's home base to another point in the house where we didn't have to deal with that long, narrow hallway where he was getting ambushed all the time. But that's where you have to kind of think like a cat and look for what they could possibly want. Cats love to hide. They love to go high. Those are things that make them comfortable and safe. So adding, uh, you know, the perch, the window perches, cat trees, even cardboard boxes or even paper bags. Great ways for cats to kind of get away and feel safe. Um, so make sure you do have those kind of things around. Um, some cats also, if there's an outdoor cat nearby, um, say a neighbor's cat that comes around, either hangs out by the window or um, they can smell them through the door, that can actually trigger um, a redirected aggression. So one cat indoors may say, this cat's kind of ticking me off outside and I'm getting anxious about it, so I'm going to attack the cat nearest to me, which is my housemate cat. So be aware of those things. If you need to close blinds, things like that, um, kind of uh, ensure that those other kitties aren't around. Some other kind of basic things that I was going to tell you is you can try on your Bengal cat is try putting um, a collar with a bell on her. So that may help um, kind of Hannah warn the other cat that she's around the area and it can give the other kitty a chance to just, if, if I want to take a back road or, or retreat, um, I can do that because I hear her coming. Um, and that can help kind of decrease some of the altercations that you might have. And, but the most important thing is also you, you don't want to yell. You don't want to discipline the cats when this happens because it can actually ang- make them more anxious and kind of amp up the situation. So um, it, it's really more about prevention and mm-hmm. recognizing what's triggering the behavior than it is going to be something that we're going to be able to stop it once it happens. Okay. Because, yeah, I have the three litter boxes. Um, I have the cat trees, but either one of them would retreat to the cat trees or they play uh-huh. higher. Um, I live in a one-bedroom apartment, so it is kind of uh, smaller. Uh, okay. yep. My hallway is only three feet long. But when I first brought Gracie home, and unfortunately, I probably should have put um, Hannah away someplace where she didn't see me come in the door with another cat in a box. But um, it, it seemed like it started right there from the front door. And actually, Hannah didn't even, like, come near me for, like, two weeks. Like, she was so mad at me <laughs> that mm-hmm. I was being punished. But right now, they're both in separate places sleeping. And that's, like, the best time. But I just hope it gets better. It typically does, as long as that we address this. And the worst thing that can happen is when cats are fighting, um, just letting things go on as they are is not a therapy. <laughs> so that's not a good option, but we do need to make changes in some way. So that's why I encourage you to kind of look at that home environment and see what we need to do. And that means also for Hannah, you know, we've got to give her opportunities. Bengals are very high energy cats. So she's going to need to have her uh, candle wick burned down a little bit so that she doesn't have quite so much energy to direct at Gracie. So that's going to mean scheduled playtimes with her, um, right. things that she might enjoy um, that are going to be more either chasing or prey or predatory in nature so she can hopefully direct that somewhere else and not have that energy left over for Gracie. But really, food is your friend here. So I would say, you know, using canned food or treats as a way to reward both of them 
for allowing just the presence of the other cat around. So that's that's all you know. I'm going to ask you to do is we want to just make them happy that the idea of the other cat is nearby, and and that goes both ways. So Gracie's got to be just as happy about it as Hannah. So um, you know, feed them nearby as long as that their ears look comfortable. They're not like twitched back and down, and their tails not swishing back and forth. You know, give it time. Cats they're kind of like elephants. Nothing moves fast in the cat world. Um, and if you do see that things are escalating, getting worse, we need to take a step back. Need a fix of the good stuff? Get more Animal Radio with the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our chicken rolled food as a meal or shred it as a topper. This is Animal Radio. Hey, it's Animal Radio. This is uh, where we celebrate the connection with our pets. If you love your pets, if you love pets, if you want a pet and you don't have a pet, if pets are your deal, this is your show. And you can call us to talk to Dr. Debbie. She's standing to my left right here. To my right, we have Lori Brooks in the newsroom bringing you the the news that you need for your pets. You need to know. Judy's answering your calls and, and screening them. And I wanted to mention this. Actually, this is a story that I believe, Lori, you mentioned or probably did about a month ago. Talking about people who go out to get pets, if they go to a pet store, sometimes they end up with these leases for pets. What? They can't afford oh, the pets. yeah. And the store yeah. wants, to, wants to get them into the new pet. It's like, into the car. I want to get you into this car. <laughs> I want to get you into this Rottweiler here. And, and what they'll do is they'll offer a payment plan, which is a lease, like a car, extremely expensive. So, for instance, I'm looking at this one example here of a dog uh, this lady got. The dog was, I think the original price was about $1,200. Oh, $1,450 was the the price, or they wow, they put here the money. sticker price, like it's a piece of property, and unfortunately, animals are property according to the law. Fourteen fifty for was the regular price. If she went into the pet store, plopped down fourteen fifty, she would have gotten that animal, right. which to me already seems crazy yeah. for reasons I won't even go into. But uh, she couldn't afford it, so she worked out a deal where she would pay one hundred and twenty three dollars every month for two years. So if you do the math, and you often don't do the math right. when you're looking at that cute little yeah, puppy, you're just uh, that's blindsided. A, that's almost forty five hundred dollars. <gasps> Jeez! And guess what? It gets even worse because they are treated like property. If you don't make those payments, the pet store can come and take your pet away. <gasps> Jeez! So, scandalous. That's, that's that totally whole scenario scandalous. is just bad. Yeah, and what? I, I mean, you know, what? If, God forbid, one of the animals should pass away before the. This is also something that uh, isn't mentioned here in this article, but I'm sure you would be liable for that. To keep ha- to have to pay continually until you p- oh pay as you would for a car. Wow. So mm. if you're getting an animal, I encourage you. We all encourage you to go adopt an animal from a shelter. First of all, there's so many breed rescues. So if you're looking for a particular breed, and this is what I hear all the time, I can't go to the shelter because I'm looking for a particular breed. There are breed rescues. You can find your specific breed, and it's significantly less than what you'll pay at the pet store. And uh, you're adopting, and you're saving a life, really. And so, uh, adopt. Bravo, Don't lease. Lori, what are you working on for this hour? Oh, gosh. There's an exciting new product coming on the market this month. If you want to make your 
uh, dog look like a disco ball? Um, no, <laughs> okay. that I mean, okay, it okay. could look like a disco ball, but that's not its purpose. Okay, it's just um, it, it's a dog safety device, and I'll tell you all about it. Hey, Beth, how are you? Good. How are you today? Good. Where are you? In the um, great state of Alabama. The South great Alabama. Great state of Alabama. I love it. I love it. Now, you don't have that Alabama accent, though. Oh, you think not? Well, thank you. <laughs> I'm surprised you say that. <laughs> well, now I'm I hearing. hear it. I catch it. Yeah, I'm picking up on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, of course, you have the Indiana accent, Dr. Debbie, which is fairly middle America. I have the Chicago accent. I'm not from southern Indiana, so it's more that nasally Chicago thing. (laughs) Well, how can we help you today, Beth? I have a question for um, Dr. Debbie. I have four dogs. Three of them are labs. One is a mixed breed, and they are, I think, senior dogs. Two of them are 12 years old, and the other two are nine years old. Okay. And I have four la- I have three labs and, like I said, a mixed breed. I was wondering, I read somewhere, about feeding the dogs. We feed our dogs at night or late, late in the afternoon. I read somewhere that as your dog get up, gets older that perhaps it's, a, it's better to, feed, to split up the feeding. Feed in the morning and then at night. What do you think? You know, I personally, in general for any dog, I like feeding twice a day. And there's a couple reasons. It generally kind of coincides with the social time in the household. So it's a bonding time. Um, and I do meal feeding for my dog. So I set it down and it, it's a time for me to kind of reward them and also practice some obedience uh, skills as well. But also it helps to kind of set that pattern of this is what you're going to do for the day. And, and for many dogs, maybe not so much in an older dog, but it helps to decrease boredom if they have things to do at the beginning and the end of the day, something to look forward to. So they're maybe less apt to chew things in the yard or around the house. Um, and then I'd say the once a day thing for an older pet, we might be a little bit more worried about some health problems. Um, if there's any continence issues, then um, twice a day feeding might be a little tough if they're unsupervised for periods of the time. Um, but it does have the benefit of if you feed twice a day, it can help to maybe decrease the risk of something such as bloat, which is a problem, especially in larger dogs when um, if we it's better if we feed small meals more often than very one large very uh, big meal during the day so that would be maybe a health benefit I could see for your situation there but the honest truth is some dogs prefer once a day eating and if it's kind of ingrained and they seem satisfied then then there's no reason you have to change it it would be more just a strategy to kind of work on some of those other things and in older pets we want to make sure they are eating so um, twice a day feeding does give you that opportunity to really kind of observe they're eating and drinking on a more frequent uh, interval, and that might be a benefit for the older timers as well. Okay, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your help. Thank you. Well, this portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Kensington Books, inspired by true stories of klepto kitties caught stealing from humans. Mac the mischievous tabby is back in Mac on a hot tin roof. But this time, there's little time for his usual shenanigans when Mac becomes the foster parent to an orphaned litter of adorable kittens. Filled with lots of catitude and love, Mac on a Hot Tin Roof by Melinda Metz is available everywhere. Books are sold. Visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information. And thanks, Kensington, for underwriting Animal Radio. Check out Animal Radio highlights. All the good stuff without the blah, blah, blah. Browse on over to animalradio.pet.
Hi, this is Paul Rogers. And Cynthia Rogers. On Animal Radio. Just know that it's going to be all right meow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind. And they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. Hi, this is Carrie Annie Napa from Dance with the Stars. Don't forget to stay and new to your animals, and you're listening to Animal Radio. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Something new in the news now to kick off the new year on Animal Radio, which is not new. We've been around a while. But for your pet safety... K-Night Company will be introducing their first product of this month, the K-Night Safety Light. It will be on Kickstarter later on. It's pretty cool, kind of like a lighted LED safety belt, not a collar, a safety belt for dogs that they can't back out of while you're out on a walk. It always allows you to see your dog in pitch black should it suddenly and unexpectedly get loose from its collar and leash. Uh, you know, usually when that cat or squirrel darts out from behind a tree or under a car and your does your dog decides to have some nighttime fun going on a chase. So picture your dog getting loose at night. You can't see it. But with this app and with the safety belt on, you can change the lighting mode from just a plain white, stable, bright LED light to different colors or even modes that make it flash. That will attract yours and everybody else's attention. And this goes on the dog? The inventor says... It's for dogs. Yeah. Where does it wrap around their belly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. See, and I because have Because with collars, it, they can, you know, they lower their head and back up and they're gone. Mm, okay. I have one that wraps around my belly. <laughs> well, well, this goes on the dog. Only, yeah. Boss would only want this if it gave him super doggy powers, yes. I think. And the lighted belt would be really fun for him. And racing stripes. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. And, and it was an invention of necessity for a guy who had this happen with his dog, who happened to be a black dog and lived in a rural area. Now, uh, if your New Year's resolution is to spend more time online, you know, social media, I doubt it. But if it's to spend more time with pets, maybe then this will add to your success. Because we have for you now the 10 most popular pets on Instagram. And number 10 is Denver's Loki the Wolf Dog with more than one and a half million followers. So that's at number 10. These dogs are all amazingly popular. They're not all dogs, but all of these pets are. Number nine is Lil Bub, uh, a runt of the litter kitten that has several genetic mutations, including one that makes her a dwarf cat. And she's got these huge eyes. Lil Bub has, in fact, even starred in the documentary Lil Bub and Friends, of course, which allows Bub and her owner and follows them all around as they meet other celebrity cats around the country and go off to the Internet Cat Video Film Festival in Minneapolis. <laughs> in eighth place is Juniper the Fox, who is a real fox. Number seven is Tuna. Now, Tuna has almost two million Instagram followers. Jeez. What what a cute dog. You thought it was a fish, right? Now, Tuna <laughs> is a cartoonish-looking chewini. 
that was actually rescued from a farmer's market, and his page is called Tuna Melts My Heart. Sixth place belongs to Marnie the dog with her signature droopy tongue that always hangs out of her mouth, and probably a good thing that they changed her name from Stinky when she was plucked as a stray from the streets of Connecticut. Now, starting on the top half of this list of the most popular pets on Instagram, and Instagram is fun to follow because, you know, it's it's pictures mostly, so they're usually pretty good pictures too. In fifth place is, does anyone have a guess? I mean, if you were expecting any pet to have a, a huge or one of the biggest Instagram accounts, what would you guess it would be? Uh, what was? Grumpy Cat. Grumpy Cat, yeah. That's- yep, yep, yep. That's exactly. Grumpy Cat is at number five, not at number one. Huh. But Grumpy Cat has two and a half million followers. <laughs> number four belongs to Maru Taro, a Shiba Inu from Japan, who, by the way, is the only non-U.S. based pet on this list. Now the top three. In third place, Doug the Pug with three million Instagram followers. Doug's videos on Facebook, by the way, have more than one billion views. He's amazingly popular. Uh, Nala the cat. Remember last week we talked about the most popular cat names and Nala was number one on one of the list. Well, Nala is the cat in second most popular position with the most followers on Instagram. She is the most popular cat on the list with three and a half million followers. She was rescued several years ago from an LA area shelter. And the most popular pet on Instagram has more than double the number of followers from anyone else on this list. At more than 7 million Instagram followers, the king of Instagram is Jif, who is a, a Pomeranian who is not only adorable, but holds the Guinness Book of World Records titles for two of them, in fact, for a dog who can run the fastest on just his hind legs or on... <laughs> You know, just his front legs. He can also run the fastest. And uh, Jif can also, by the way, ride a skateboard and stamp his own potograph. Wow. So you have a lot of pets to choose from if you're going on Instagram. Mm. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Justin Tyler Ferguson from Modern Family. I'm on Animal Radio. Adopt a pet. It is toll free at one 405 8405 Hello, Sherry. How are you? Good. How are you today? Well, I've got a nine month old Yorkshire Terrier who is in heat. And I have some questions. Okay. <laughs> well go ahead. What do we got going on with that heat cycle? Okay, well, it seems like it's been lasting forever, but um, she went through the stage where the other dogs wanted to be around her, but I didn't notice anything, and then her vulva started to swell, and she started to bleed very little bit. The bleeding has stopped. Her vulva is still swollen. Um, My curiosity is, will that go back down? And the other Eventually, will it? It will, yes, but there's conditions to that. So go ahead. What's your other part of the question? Okay. The other question was I have a a 20-pound little terrier mix that is male who locked up with her this morning, and and he's fixed. (laughs) And (laughs) she she didn't know what to make of all of it, and we didn't know what to do. 
uh, we put them in the bathtub. <laughs> wow. We get them apart. So that's a crude awakening or a rude awakening, I should say. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Let's talk about this baby's heat cycle. And so how long has she actually been in heat? You said she bled for a couple days. Yeah, I would, my best guess is that she's probably been in heat a good 16 or 17 days. Okay. Well, the unpleasant news here, Sherry, is that dogs can be in heat for a long period of time. And we don't really get too worried up until about six weeks. Um, So this whole process of discharge and vaginal swelling, all of that kind of can span that time frame. And for some dogs, they may only have bleeding for as little as one day, but some dogs will bleed up to three weeks. And that vulvar swelling, the vaginal swelling that you're describing, that can last up until that six-week period of time after that first bleeding starts. So you got a long period of time. And there are some dogs that will have a little bit of residual swelling in the vaginal area afterwards. But um, it, it's very interesting to me that you said that you have a male that is neutered and they actually tied because usually that's a, a pretty much a hormone driven thing on his part for that process and that physical connection that where they actually got stuck together. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Yes. And they weren't moving. They were just staring at us like, what do we do next? He must be an oversexed little fella if he's already <laughs> had his little little bazonkers taken away from him and he's still doing the deed. And he's been well, after I, her for four or five days and we just, you know, kept shooing him and kept shooing him. Well, this morning we didn't get to him fast enough, so. Yeah, well, and has he been recently neutered or is that something he's been, oh, no, that's he's been seven, done for? Or he's eight. Oh. Yeah, he's, no, it's been a long time. <laughs> okay. Well, very good. Now, and of course, I'm going to have to put my little advertisement in for your little girl is to get this gal spayed. Um, oh, because I know, but I want puppies. I know. I'm not listening. I'm not listening to that because I'm going to talk about her health benefits. And I, there's a ton of Yorkie puppies, and I'll tell you that at my shelter, it breaks my heart. I can guarantee you if I walk through today at our local shelters, I can find many purebred Yorkies sitting in the midst of those cages waiting for a home. So any pets that you add to the the pet population are going to displace those and those are going to be euthanized because someone's going to want a puppy before they're going to want to take on a a pet that needs a home that's already on this earth. So I would have to put my advertisement in for that, but also for her health and and her well-being just to help prevent mammary cancers and a lot of these reproductive complications. So sorry, Sherry, I just had to put that in there. And I know Hal's behind me on this one. Yeah, but I didn't want to open my mouth at all on this because you're doing so well. Just t- telling it like it is, and it is very, especially for the health of the the health of the animals. It has nothing to do with the reproduction and the population. A little bit to do with that, but mostly because their health, and you want that pet with you as long as you possibly can have that pet with you. I appreciate your call, Sherry. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. I got to tell you that whole tie thing is could be a very amusing thing. Everybody looking at each other. What, what do we do next? And your suggestion really is just to have a cigarette, sit back, and enjoy it, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they are, so you might as well just sit back and <laughs> turn on the TV, you know, distract and don't watch them. Hey, don't forget, you can get your fix of Animal Radio anytime you want with the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. Download it now. It's made possible by Fear Free Pets. Taking the pet out of petrified. Visit them at fearfreehappyhomes.com. Everyone's favorite matchmaking klepto kitty MacGyver is back in Mac on a Hot Tin Roof. 
And this time, he's thieving his way through the greatest adventure of all, parenting. When Mac finds a litter of orphaned kittens, the mischievous Tabby has no choice but to put his life of crime on pause. Because the tables have turned, and now Mac is the one to have something stolen. His heart. Mac on a Hot Tin Roof by Melinda Metz is available everywhere books are sold. For more info, visit kensingtonbooks.com. Hey everybody, this is Brett Michaels, and I just want to say, you, right now, want to take, wait, give me the line again, my brain skipped. Uh, Brett Michaels. I just had one of my brain hemorrhage brain farts. Oh, don't do that, don't do that. I don't want to be responsible for that. Trust me, it's me, go ahead. Animal Radio, Brett Michaels Animal Radio. You got it, I knew the Animal Radio, like, okay, here we go. Hey, this is Brett Michaels. You're listening to Animal Radio, and take care of your pets. They will rock your world. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. I have never managed. We have some feral cats around here who I I can touch. Uh, They're scared to death of, of coming in the house, but they always seem to get ticks on them, like under their chin. But I have never managed to successfully remove a tick. What do you use? What do you do? I just use, and I'm probably not supposed to do this, my fingers. Oh, yeah. There you go. Never your your fingers. You're supposed to use tweezers or like a hemostat and, you know, grab at the, where they attach to the skin. Because otherwise, if you're just pulling with your hands, there's two things happening. One, you're going to break the tick and you don't want to leave those mouth parts in the skin. Second thing is ticks do carry blood and there are diseases associated with that. So you do not want your hands to to touch that. So, but I I, work on that. (laughs) <laughs> if I put the tweezers on it, I can't, I can't imagine not breaking it. Can, is it possible? It, it is possible, but you will have far more control and you you won't be squeezing the body of the tick and squeezing the blood back in. So that's what you're trying also to avoid. So you're trying to grab the little sucker where his little mouth parts are and then yank. There's a great tick remover. I don't know who makes it, but it's almost like a two-pronged fork, and you just kind of slide it in there like the backside of a hammer. has those two flat pieces, and you slide it where the tick stays right in the middle, and you can pry it out. Get that a tick is remover. what I need. Yes. And I guess there's some uh, rumors of ways to get rid of ticks that actually can make it worse. Like I, oh, dear. I, I guess, well, I, I heard that if you heat up something like a match or a needle and you hold it up, the tick backs out. But I also heard that the tick will actually release more of its juices back into the animal's body. They'll vomit. They vomit in if they do that. Right, right. And plus, there's My the whole fire and burn risk. <laughs> there's the, that too. My dad had a tick one time and, and he swore to me that the way to get it out, and I was a nurse at the time, was to put drops of Dawn dishwashing soap on it. Hmm. And I said, you do it then. I'm not doing it. Whether or not that will actually, yeah, I was going to say, whether or not that actually does anything for the tick other than makes your pet nice and (laughs) grease-free. But I've heard people putting things like petroleum, oil on pets, all these really caustic things. You don't want to do that. You really don't. Use flea and tick control and then manually remove those suckers once you see them. Oh, there you go. I, I think we have information at our website if you want to learn more about removing ticks. I'll just head on over there and put that in the search engine at animalradio.pet. Hey, Scott. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing today? Uh, not too bad. And yourself? Very good. What's up in your world? Uh, not too bad. Uh, we have two miniature uh, dash hounds, one uh, 9 pounds and one 15. And uh, one of them, the bigger one, we, uh, we uh, got from a shelter, and she has really bad teeth. Like they uh, didn't take care of it at all when we, you know, before we got her. And uh, we're wondering if there's anything that can be done. We still, 
you know, brush the teeth and stuff, but I didn't know if there's anything to, like, get the teeth back to normal. It looks like they are got really bad teeth right now. Okay, yeah, and, you know, dachshunds, I'll, I'll say right off of the bat, dachshunds sometimes can really have exaggerated periodontal problems compared to some other breeds, especially little dogs. So if you have a little dog, we really want to jump on dental care very early on. And in your situation there, Scott, you know, if you've adopted and she's kind of not had dental care up till now, we're going to have to start from scratch. And um, I think the first thing that we need to do is really see about getting a professional dental cleaning. And that's very important because to try to brush teeth on a dog that has advanced dental disease, it's a painful process. So you, you want to start fresh with healthy teeth. So see your veterinarian, get a cleaning, polishing ske- scheduled, and, you know, see if there's any problem teeth in there that need to com- come out of there. Um, in many cases, we need to deal with those problems before we- before we can actually get on a good preventative care regimen at home. But, but you're definitely right to be worried because, you know, we know that dental disease is a big problem and we know it causes a lot of other health manifestations in the body. And in fact, by the age of three years, 85% of all dogs and cats will have some degree of periodontal oh disease. Gosh. So it's really a very startling thing. And if you're not making efforts now, it is time. So once you get your dog's teeth cleaned, there are some important things that you can do at home. But the, again, this is secondary after you get those teeth taken care of at the vet office. And brushing teeth by far is the best thing. If you do it three times a week, you're going to have some benefit. Uh, once every six weeks when you go to the groomers isn't going to do it. So you want to make sure you use a doggy toothpaste and really start slowly to get, get your pet used used to that brushing sensation. But even if that's not something that your dog will take to, there's some other products out there, um, oral rinses that you can apply to the gum line. Um, there's additives you add to the water that can actually help pre- um, prevent plaque accumulation on the teeth. And then, of course, most people know about the treats and the different dental diets out there. And actually, some of them are actually proven to have a benefit. And uh, there is a organization called the Veterinary Oral Health Council, and there's actually a, a seal of approval that they give to very uh, common dental treats and diets. So some of those things may be another avenue that we can use. And again, once that mouth is clean, we've got a good, healthy starting point to get things started. Now I want you to stick around next hour. Comedian Victoria Jackson will be back. It's been 11 years since she's been on Animal Radio, and a lot of water's passed under that bridge since. We're going to find out what she's been up to. Also, she'll be with Kimberly Dom, the first female bassist for the rock supergroup Boston. Both Kimberly and Victoria got together to write a song about a dog. That's on the way next hour. Stick around. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets or we're going to be eaten alive. Here's today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. Alfa Romeo unveiled their limited edition Quattrofolio N-Ring vehicle at the 2019 New York International Auto Show. A total of 110 of these limited edition vehicles will be available in North America. The Julia Quattrofolio cinched a 732 lap, making it the fastest five-passenger vehicle in the world. Stelvio delivered a 751.7 lap, making it the fastest production SUV sold in the U.S. To find your new car, go to OurAutoExpert.com. 
Com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service. For professional parts people you can trust, stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts. Better prices. Every day. Celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio. Featuring veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, news director Lori Brooks, and now, from the Red Barn Studios, here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Now, of course, this hour we'll have your calls, but in addition to your calls, we're going to have from the rock supergroup Boston, Kimberly Dom. She was the first female bass player for Boston, and she wrote a song about uh, a dog, a dog that she dog. had. Can Lu- she do more than a feeling, too? And g- it even gets better. It's like a doubleheader. Today we have Victoria Jackson also will be joining her because Victoria helped her write that song about the dog. So that's coming up this hour right here on Animal Radio. What are you working on over there in the newsroom, Miss Brooks? I'll be telling you why there might be, oh gosh, uh, tens of thousands of more vegans in Los Angeles on four legs, not two. Oh, Could be very uh, soon, too. Yeah. Oh. Okay, that's on the way. Let's go to line two. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? Splendid. Where are you calling from today? Uh, well, I'm in Utah now. Are you a truck driver? Yes, I am. What are you hauling? That's a new question I'm asking. Give <laughs> <laughs> well, me nosy here, Hal. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in your world? Oh, not much. I got a question. Uh, I've got an Australian cattle dog puppy. She's a year and three months. Okay. And uh, my dad was saying he noticed that she looks like she might be partially blind. Uh, okay. I left left her at home for a month, and she would be walking with him, stop, and uh, he'd go down to the end of the hall and turn around, and she'd be sitting there sniffing around like she's tracking. Um, mm-hmm. But I've really never noticed anything other than at night with her. Uh, what are you noticing at night? What's she doing? Uh, well, like my buddy, you know, Chris walks up, and he's still in the dark, and she'll see him. And she'll get a, a defensive posture going, and then as soon as he hits the light close enough, she'll go into happy mode and go run over and and uh-huh. uh, get attention. All right. So yeah. So I guess the first thing is we need to assess and, and figure out if your if your baby is having visual problems. And when you say the breed, of, I guess the first thing that jumps out in a herding breed, some of the cattle dogs, the collies, um, there are some types of congenital problems that they can be born with that affects the retina, the back part of the eye. And there's kind of this whole complex of different problems. And some pets will have different degrees of vision problems. Some are completely blind. Some have one eye that has a problem and and so on. So um, I think the first thing we need to do is figure out if we do in fact have a visual problem and some things at home. uh, Some of these tests are kind of crude in the sense that, um, you know, we basically test how the dog responds to things moving, whether it be in light or in darkness. Um, So one of the first things I'd have you do is um, kind of uh, sit with her, uh, turn the lights on, and um, have a cotton ball nearby, and basically throw the cotton ball in front of her her line of vision and see if she tracks that. Um, We want to use something very lightweight like a cotton ball because it doesn't really send off any kind of air currents when you throw it by. If you use something bigger um, or you wave your hand, you might send off these air currents. So test that in light and in darkness and see how she responds. Um, that would be one thing. The other would be to actually put her through a maze test um, in light and in darkness. So you put her on a leash, keep her really tight to your side, and uh, set up some little barriers. And you basically, as horrible as it 
sounds, you want to guide her towards those things in her midst and see if she can maneuver around them. And if she can see them and avoid them, then it's kind of a crude test of vision there. Um, but for most doggies in this category, especially since she's young, I would recommend uh, to see a veterinarian because we would need to do a good uh, exam of the retina, the back part of the eye. Um, for some dogs, um, you know, vision loss is just something that they have. Um, but for some of these dogs, they can have some blood vessel problems resulting from this. And they can later go on to detach their retina or have more complications, some worsening of the vision. So it would be something to well worth get her uh, evaluated um, just to have those eyes checked out a little bit further. Okay. Now, there, there is one thing that I have noticed with looking directly into her eyes is on certain spots uh got almost like a looks almost like a, a luminescent clear spot do you think that mm, could possibly okay. be anything I mean, it could be. Uh, and the big thing is also is looking at the size and the shape of your pupils. Um, if in bright light, the normal dog eye response, bright light, would be that the pupils should get small. Um, if her eyes remain dilated, so you can see a lot of that pupil, that may mean that we have some um, issues going on there. Or if you see an uneven size of those pupils between one eye and the other eye that would also be a symptom that uh, you know we've got something going on um, but i think from what you're describing um i think it sounds like we were fairly certain she's got some vision issues so i, I would move forward with you know getting her checked out a bit further okay yeah then i'll, have, I'll do that when i go get her updated on her uh, rabies and stuff yeah, All right. very good. And, you know, if, if she's a little visually, you know, challenged, um, most of these doggies can live wonderful lives, and um, they kind of adapt with all their other uh, with their other senses, especially the nose. The nose helps so much with these guys um, in getting around and maneuvering. So, so not a yeah. horrible thing for her to have to deal with. Okay. Thanks for the call, Andrew. Hey, Carrie, how are you? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Of course. Where are you? I'm in South Lake Tahoe, California. Oh, are you listening on KOWL? I am. Oh, good. Good to hear from the South Lake Tahoe contingent. I have Dr. Debbie here. How can we help you? Well, my elderly neighbor friend has a three-month-old chihuahua, and she's having a heck of a time potty training Max. And Mm -hmm. I was wondering if uh, there's suggestions, because her roommate's doing something like, Making the dog eat its poop and throwing it in a cage and oh no and, and that and you know whatever you could suggest I will pass on to her. Oh, what in the world are, what, are they making the dog eat the the the, yes, the accident that it? Yes. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's absolutely crazy. Yeah. I'm sorry. Tell them tell them to stop that because that does nothing to teach this puppy what they're doing wrong. I didn't think Ugh. so either. And she she okay. has a tr- she lives on an upstairs apartment, so she. She has trouble, you know, always getting downstairs, but they do have a balcony. So what, can, what what's your suggestion? Okay, I guess the first thing I want to know is what is the current method? What are they doing? Because if you're on the third floor, either you're training the doggy to go outside and hold it, or you're training them to go to piddle pads. Um, well, she does have a piddle pad on the balcony, um, but, uh, it, you know, he can't quite always hold it, and then he, he does the poop thing, and... And uh, she just really quite doesn't know what to do. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what some of the common mistakes are with house training. Um, Because in this situation, I think we might need a little more information to see what's going right and what's going wrong. But some of the very common mistakes that we do with house training is, number one, try to 
discipline the puppy on that, and that never, ever works. All they learn is to fear your angry-looking face. They do not put that connection together. So make sure that's right off the table there. The first thing there is we want to make sure we have a set schedule. And for a puppy at that age, um, there's some general guidelines. When we're asking them to hold their bodily functions, we have to be reasonable. And for puppies, they can generally hold it for, if you look at how many months they are, three months old, and you add the number one to whatever month of age they are, that's about how many hours you can ask that puppy to hold it. So a three-month-old puppy can hold it for four hours. Okay. A two-month-old puppy is only going to be able to be reliably holding their needs for three hours. So if you look at it that way, that's what's realistic. Now, when we don't have a set schedule or we allow this puppy to kind of run around the house, we are not setting limits. We're not setting a schedule. So that is so important that we have a set schedule where we go down those stairs, three flights of stairs, and we take them to the potty area that you want to go. And then you use that opportunity to praise the puppy insanely (laughs) you have to have to do that if you're just letting him go on the potty pads you're not rewarding that behavior so that's my problem with potty pads is i don't feel that really gives you the opportunity to praise them when they do good because you're just leaving it and saying do it when you can well he's got he has gotten to the point where he will go to the screen door that goes to the patio and he'll turn around and look at you good we've gotten him that far but he's kind of regressed in the last few days Okay. Well, I'd make sure that we keep his access and opportunity limited. So if someone's not immediately with him, he is not trustworthy. And it's not because he's bad. It's just he needs to be reminded, and you really need to have constant supervision. If you're not there, um, then really keeping him confined into a crate is the best way to go. Um, For pups that have too much access, they never learn that you need to hold it because they can just take two steps to the right and eliminate. There you go. So that's where the crate really comes in advantage to kind of keep the world small. And then the first thing you do, you get him out of the crate, you run him to the potty area, and you praise him up and down for doing his business. So that would be a very important thing. So if he's not right with you, keep him on a light leash if you have to, um, or use the crate for confinement. And we really have to be over the top with the reinforcement. It doesn't have to be food, but really just lay it on thick when he does do all of his business really good. Mm. People think I'm crazy when when my puppies were young, I'd be like, oh, what a wonderful doggy!" and you're, you're just so lighthearted. And they look at you like, you know, something amazing has happened, and it's just a pile of crap there sitting there. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I know. I've, I've, I've done that with all my dogs. Now, what about, like, an eating schedule? Yes, and that's very important also for house training. So if you're, are you on a twice-a-day feeding or three times a day feeding for this puppy? I believe it's twice a day she she feeds him. Great. But she always good. has the... the he always has water. Mm-hmm. And that should, that's the way it should be. We don't want to restrict water at all. Um, but when you do have the set feeding times, that helps you because you can anticipate with most pups, after they eat, within about 30 minutes, they're going to have to do the d- number two duty. So that helps you to kind of schedule your attention and when you need to be most vigilant and watch for those cues that the pup needs to go outside. Okay. So, yeah, and I'm definitely never a fan of just leaving food out for a puppy if we're struggling with house training. It is just it's the food is going in and coming out <laughs> any time. Yeah, so. The schedule definitely helps in that regard as well. Okay. Well, well, thank you very much, and um, I'll let you know how this works. Yeah, let us know. We'd like to also see pictures of our new big family of furry friends, so send some pictures this way so we can post on the website. Uh, okay. What's, where do I send them? You can send it to your voice at animalradio.com. It's all over at the Animal Radio website at animalradio.com. Radio.com. Thank you, Carrie. Okay. Thank you very much. 
This Healthy Serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. It's always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You could learn more at redbarninc.com. And thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. Hello, this is Jane Goodall on Animal Radio. And I just like everybody to realize that each day you live, you make some difference on the planet. And you can choose what kind of difference you're going to make. And hopefully every day you'll try to make the world a little bit better for people, for animals, and for the environment. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. If you're as old as we are, and we're old, we're all old as dirt, especially me. Watch it. Well, hey, I'm older than you. Except for you. (laughs) Victoria Jackson was part of our Saturday Night Live year. She spent six years on Saturday Night Live. And uh, then she quit. She spent 23 years out of show business. Well, out of TV after that. Got married, I guess. Got married, had kids, did that whole thing. Family thing. We talked to her about 11 years ago. I don't even remember why. She was, I think she was just a. One of our holiday season guests. Yeah, she just wanted to come on and tell us. But she's about always her. been an animal lover, yeah. right? She has always been an animal lover. She, she told us all right. about her puppies. She had uh, three puppies, I remember. Mm-hmm. But now I'm thinking that was a long time ago. They they probably gone yeah. on to the big doggy. I'm not sure they're still with kennel her. in the sky. Yeah, I think she has a new one. I think she has a new animal. Well, and, if she if her animals passed away, I'm sure she has a new animal because I don't I can't imagine her without an animal. Since we spoke to her, I know she ran for political office. And then she was also inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. She and she writes songs. She sings she? songs. Can you imagine that voice? <laughs> what a lovely, sultry voice. <laughs> and she also battled stage three breast cancer, which is wow. totally amazing. Wow. Good and for her. She had a little help. I know one of her dogs was there for that. And we'll talk to her about that in just a couple of minutes right here on Animal Radio. So stick around for that. Let's go to line two. Hey, Michael, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, sir. How are you? Very good. How are you doing? Where are you today? Well, uh, in Houston visiting, but we are from Temple. Temple, Temple Texas. Okay. Uh-huh. And what's going on with your animals? I've got the good doctor, Dr. Debbie, here. Yeah, Dr. Debbie, um, our, our cat, uh, about one year old, very healthy male, neutered, uh, but uh, wasn't responding to our calls. And my wife found him underneath some shrubs, and apparently he... Uh, broke his leg while he got while he got hooked up in a privacy fence and then we took him to the vet and he showed me the x-ray and the break is way down there by the joint okay and it's a real clean break and he says those are very hard to put back together and okay. he's actually at the vets with a splint over the weekend and then we're going to talk about the prognosis monday or tuesday but i wanted to get your opinion on breaks of that nature 
Okay, and, and I didn't catch what limb or which bone. Do you know where the fracture yeah, is? That would be the back, back right, and it's, well, you know, I didn't know that the whole leg is basically a foot. You know, half the leg's a foot. I thought the foot <laughs> was just the toes. Yeah. So it's actually right there at the ankle. Be Down right by the above, ankle area. Okay. Right above the ankle. It is snapped clean in two. Okay. Well, indefinitely, there's, when we have fractures, there's different classes of fractures and the different kind of shapes, if you will. Um, and I'm, hopefully, this is a fracture where the bone hasn't penetrated the skin, which is what we call a compound fracture. Um, so if it's all kind of underneath the skin, it really depends on how big the pieces are at any given end and what kind of therapies we can do. Uh, if we're lucky in a young animal, we can get away with something just like passing a pin straight down the shaft of the bone. It doesn't always give us good support, and sometimes we'll have to use some bandaging techniques or even some other wires to kind of help get us stabilized there. Um, it's a little, I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage because without seeing a fracture, sometimes I can see, you can look at a fracture and say, oh my God, there's nothing there left to work with. And if that's the case, then we're in a kind of either specialty situation, um, and in really extreme cases, you know, there's amputation. So I don't know where your cat is falling in the kind of the picturesque scene of things. But right. if it's a young cat and it's a closed fracture and the joint itself is not disrupted, in some cases, you know, just doing a splinting technique may buy us some quality healing time. Um, but the location of the joint really complicates things because once you have that area uh, affected by the break, um, the response is really not very good there. Um, so I don't know what the possibility of specialists in your area are, but they can do some things with plates that, you know, you'd be really surprised and amazed, you know, if that's an appropriate technique. Yeah, that's what the vet said. He mentioned amputation, and then he mentioned um, he wasn't really sure if, if the tinning would work or not, and if not, then he could fuse the joint together, whatever that means, so... Okay. From what you're describing, that would make me concerned that it may be extending into the joint. And, you know, if it's possible to fuse the joint, that can help relieve the pain long term. You know, they might, it'll be a, a joint that's fixed and not flexible, but if it helps to relieve discomfort long term, that may be a, a viable alternative to, you know, just going ahead with an amputation. So, um, so I hope you've got some options there kind of in that middle zone, in the gray zone. And, uh, you know, it's always worth, uh, you know, getting a second opinion. If you do have specialists in your area, I'm sure your veterinarian is familiar with that and can kind of consult with them even about what the possibilities are. Well, he mentioned putting a splint on even after surgery and keeping that on for like six weeks in yep. a small room confined. Um, and he said if he gets out, all, he wants, all he's going to want to do is try to take that splint off. And if he takes it oh, off, sure. he starts walking around and it's, it's the end or whatever. Yep, yep. And that, you know, that might be a hopeful thing to try. Um, and because we're dealing with a kitty, you, you might have some success. Their dogs, sometimes we have a little bit more activity level and their body weight's heavier. So um, we don't always have as good luck with some of these more complicated ones. But I'd say, you know, if that's something he says is an option, I'd always try to save the leg if we can. So okay, <laughs> see if that might work for you. Hi, this is Fred Willard on Animal Radio. And I, I'm, I'm begging you, spay and neuter your animals. I'm sitting up and begging. I'll, play, I'll go over and play dead if you want. I'll follow you anywhere you want to go.
Yeah, puppy pads are convenient, but sometimes they're really gross. That's why the Animal Radio Studio stunt dog Ladybug uses the Brilliant Pad self-cleaning puppy pad. We love how it handles number one and number two. It seals away the waste and replaces dirty pads for us. Brilliant Pad keeps our home clean and smelling fresh. All we do is replace the roll once every few weeks, and the process is fast and clean. In fact, Ladybug gives it five paws up. Learn more about it at BrilliantPad.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. All right, my Southern California friends. Los Angeles may be home very soon to a lot more vegans, only we're talking about dogs. And these dogs are the 33,000 dogs that each year enter the city's six animal shelters. They're currently fed kibble, which is mostly turkey, chicken, and lamb byproducts. Food for L.A. shelter dogs, though, might soon be swapped out for a plant-based food under a proposal which is now before the Los Angeles City Board of Animal Services Commissioners. If they approve the switch, it would make the Los Angeles shelter system the first in the nation to feed its canine residents a vegan diet. This idea was proposed by Commissioner Roger Wolfson, who also happens to be a Hollywood screenwriter, who cited research that he says shows vegan diets eliminate Many health problems in dogs. The city's chief veterinarian, though, was in on this. Dr. Debbie, you'll be glad to hear that he has recommended rejecting that proposal, saying it could deprive dogs of enough protein, calcium, and phosphorus, and would also be inadequate protein levels for injured, pregnant, or female dogs who are nursing puppies. Another concern noted by the chief vet is that a vegan diet would be a lot higher in fiber and could lead to a lot of increased fecal bulk. Wow. Or, yeah. A lot more trips pooping outside and poop to pick up, right? And yeah. shelter workers are already overworked anyway. Yeah, and, and you know, What's dogs that? are omnivores, so it's possible they can go vegan, while cats cannot. But um, in a shelter system, I'd have to say, gosh, is that the right choice for pets under stress and, like, nursing and puppies? Mm. So I'm with the, the commissioner. Yeah, it seemed like like he was, I was glad to see that there was somebody on it, but they had a list of the supporters of it, and it was mostly um, Hollywood types, and I'm really glad they're activists, but I wish that they would defer to the medical experts in that case. Ticks, gosh, they were horrible this fall, it seemed like, uh, but they are not a new problem. In fact, uh, we find out now that these little prehistoric blood suckers have been around for a very long time. Newly unearthed amber fossils have proven that prehistoric ticks were literally feeding on feathered dinosaurs 100 million years ago. Uh, it was found in one of the pieces of ancient amber that they dug up, and it turns out to be the oldest specimen of its kind and reveals the tick actually clutching the strands of a dinosaur feather. And the tick still has the blood of its last victim in its stomach. And uh, as revealed by the (laughs) fossilized tick, it's pretty disgusting, isn't it? The structure of dinosaur feathers apparently was very similar to those of modern-day bird feathers. Who knew? And another amber fossil that they had dug up in this, this big dig revealed a tick species that apparently was so big that the scientists called it Dracula's Terrible Tick. It was eight times its normal size, engorged with dinosaur blood. And evidence suggests that the tick's victim was also 
a feathered dinosaur. But who knew? You know, now it, it seems like it's just common knowledge that feathered dinosaurs are relatives of our fine feathered friends, birds. Well, maybe they uh, disappeared because of ticks, the dinosaurs. Um, they they say it was the first, um, <laughs> what do they call it, like a symbiotic relationship. Oh, really? Between, that, like between the, the ticks the two, and the, the, synergy, di- and the yeah. dinosaurs benefited from it. Ah. And, Can you imagine having to go out and get a, a, a tick collar for a dinosaur? That must have been so hard. <laughs> or removing the, the t- feathered dinosaur. The dinosaur. Yeah, you don't want to remove the tick either. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets and that catchy little ditty there is called Lucy Lou. And the artist, the singer, the songwriter behind that, Kimberly Dom, she was one of the first female members of the rock supergroup Boston. Wow. Which I grew up to, of course. Of course. We we all did. And you know who else helped write that song was comedian Victoria Jackson. And they're both joining us. Hello. Hi. Thanks for spinning. I love it. Uh, so first, Kimberly, the song Lucy Lou, is it about an animal that you had? Yes, it is. She was adorable. She was one of my rescues. And Victoria and some friends, also uh, Justin Peters and different people helped write a song and we dedicated it to Lucy Lou. Well, now, how do so many people write one song? Does that get a little, I mean, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen, you know? Well, you want me to answer that? Okay, you go. Go, girl. Okay, okay. Well, this was my first time at songwriter camp. I never even heard of such a thing. (laughs) And I've been writing songs my whole life on my ukulele, and I thought, now that I moved to Nashville, I should, like, take a course and see how the big shots do it. And (laughs) I had just finished chemo because I had breast cancer two years ago, and I was bald kind of bald Uh-oh. and I yeah and I went out to the to the beach uh um Justin Peters had this songwriting camp in Wil- Wilmington North Carolina and there was like 10 people I've never met before and he had it very organized and he's like right now we're working on Lucy Lou, this song for Kimberly ready go That's right and <laughs> right and he had this big table 
and was throwing out ideas. And I'm, I'm, I must say, humbly, I'm very proud of the line that I contributed. And, and which what one was, was that? I love that one. That, love that one, one is... The dent in the uh, bed. Yeah, you right? left a hole, in, a hole in my heart and in a my dent heart. in my bed. <laughs> yeah. That's I love so it. perfect. Well, now, Victoria, it's been, and I had to look this up, it's been 11 years since you've been on Animal Radio, which is a long time. It seems like it was just yesterday, but since then, you've you've, uh, run for political office, you've been inducted in the National Women's Hall of Fame. Wow, congratulations on that. I didn't know about that. Really? You beat cancer's butt. Yes, you, you did. You beat cancer's butt. I was going to say that for last because that is incredible. Oh. That is absolutely incredible. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, well, I'm all healed, and I wrote two of my best songs from cancer. It's A Broken World Baby and Lavender Hair, which you can see on YouTube or my website, victoriajackson.com. And I met wonderful people like Kimberly, who was sweet enough to be, take her talent, her beauty, and her rock and roll show and be in my pilot for a for a reality show I'm working on. I am such a fan of Victoria's. I just am forever in a day. So it was such an honor. And lavender hair, you all have to hear that. <laughs> oh my gosh. When we last talked to you, you had, uh, and I, it was a long time ago, again, 11 years ago, Buddy, Daisy, and Peanut. I, I, I bet they're at the big Doggy bed heaven is, in, the sky. in the sky right now. Yes, but, I uh, love them so much. I understand you have a new dog? I have Hezekiah, who um, I tried to live without a dog, and it took oh, it was a, a month of loneliness, and the house was so mm. quiet. We're empty nesters. Our kids are grown and married, so I went and got this Cocker Spaniel Maltese mix, and she uh, made me lose two pounds so far throwing the squeaky toy. Just throwing the toy. That's not even walking around the block. Yeah. And I wrote a song um, called Like a Dog, and it's on YouTube. And and I think you all get a kick out of it because there's a a music video of it. And Kimberly, did you see it yet? No, I was just writing myself a note. As soon as we hang up, I'm going there. Oh, my gosh. Like a Dog. Like a Dog. And it has a bunch of videos of dogs. And one of the videos. My 14-year-old friend took is a dog actually opening a door and walking outside. I saw that. It was uh, like a big boxer. Wow. And are are any of your dogs in that video, Victoria? Yes. Hezekiah is the little white fluffy one running in slow motion, and she's also sitting on the bed next to a pillow. I saw that. A chew stick in her mouth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've never seen Lucy. I've never heard Lucy Lou, so I just went to YouTube so I can hear it for the first time. Really? Oh. <laughs> yeah, because we, we, you know, we wrote it so fast and then recorded it, and there you go. And, and uh, all of our other animals keep us busy, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are hanging with comedian Victoria Jackson and also from the rock supergroup Boston. The first female bassist, Kimberly Dom. We're going to take a quick break, so stick around. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. This is Animal Radio.
Here is today's top automotive news story. I'm Nick Miles. Ford has completely redesigned the new 2020 Escape. The exterior design inspired by the sixth generation Mustang and the Ford GT stands lower, wider, longer, and 200 pounds lighter than the current model. Every model in the lineup, whether powered by one or the other, EcoBoost engines, or the all-new hybrid powertrain targets an estimated range of at least 400 miles per tank, with a standard hybrid targeting an EPA estimate of 550 miles a tank. Check out your new vehicle at OurAutoExpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service. For professional parts people you can trust, stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts. Better prices. Every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on. Learn more. Dogs or cats. Horse or emu. A man going through security at LAX was recently found to have monkeys in his pants. When Robert John Cusack arrived from Indonesia, airport inspectors found 50 orchids in his luggage after four rare birds flew out. They then asked him if he had anything else to tell them, and he reluctantly admitted that he did have some monkeys in his pants. A search revealed that 45-year-old Cusack was hiding a pair of endangered pygmy monkeys in the crotch area of his underpants. Cusack is awaiting trial while the monkeys, happy to be out, have joined the monkey community at the Los Angeles Zoo. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. Hey, this is Paula Poundstone. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. Oh, hey, this is Paula Poundstone on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets or we're going to be eaten alive. This is Animal Radio. Animal Radio, and we are with comedian Victoria Jackson and musician Kimberly Dom, formerly of the rock supergroup Boston, a group that I listened to avidly as a youngster. So what animals do you have now, Kimberly? Oh, okay. Uh-oh. Do we have time for this? <laughs> well, yeah, I'll keep it down just to the three dogs. There are fish, crabs, all kinds of weird things around here, but one is not a dog. It's a Great Dane. I've never had... He's like a pony. So I have two dogs and a pony. (laughs) Now he's 185 pounds. Oh my gosh. Wow. Oh my gosh. So I'm not getting horses now. I was gonna, and then I got him, and now I'm good. (laughs) Do they help you write the uh, music you write? Oh, they always help. They bring so much happiness. I love them all. My dogs are always rescues, and I just. They're just, they're, they, two help, one hinders. (laughs) There's always one. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Victoria, did you have any animals during your battle with cancer at all? I had Daisy and she was wonderful. She just laid in my lap. You know, Maltese is, these the ones I knew. 
they just want to cuddle. They don't make you walk them or play or work. And she was blind. So she just lay oh. next to me in bed all the time. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> so sweet. Yeah. It was good they had each other, Daisy and Victoria. Yeah. Sounds like it was really a good, good meet. <laughs> yeah. So what's on the horizon, Victoria? What do you have planned? Well, let's see. I'm going to be appearing on Huckabee's new show on TBN. Uh, I'm doing stand-up comedy and singing Broken World Baby. And what else? Will, will you be doing that standing up straight or on doing a handstand when you do that? Uh, right side up this time. Okay. Um, <laughs> Just I can still I can still do a handstand. Really? Now. 58 years old. Wow. Wow. Oh, That's I, great. I could never. Yeah, I couldn't do it at eight years old. <laughs> no, ever. <laughs> well, you had that gymnastic upbringing. And then I, I also heard a rumor you had no television during your upbringing. What? That's right. I didn't know. I grew up That's not cool. knowing how you're supposed to talk or dress. So I have my <laughs> own invention. <laughs> I think you've done just fine. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks so much for uh, coming on the show today. We really appreciate that. And if people want to hear the song about Lucy Lou, is there a place online where people can listen to that if they don't have a station that's playing it locally in their town? You know, I know you can find it on YouTube. Okay. Uh, under Kimberly Dom, Lucy Lou is just L-U. Uh, and then I was trying to think, I think it's on all music apps, though. Probably Spotify. Probably I know it's on iTunes and things like that. But I know, you know, if you just Google it, something should come up. And I hope people enjoy it and can identify maybe their own Lucy Lou's in there. <laughs> I have to say, I walk dogs, and one of my clients, the dog was yeah. named Lucy, and she changed it to Lulu, and now we call it Lucy Lou. There you go. <laughs> we all have one like that. Yes, you know? we all have a Lucy Lou. Blessing. That's right. And I'm really hoping... You know, I love what you guys are doing there, and, and I always encourage people to adopt and to support our local animal shelters. Um, you know, there's so much devastation going on. All these animals need help. So And always stay and, always stay and neuter. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, check out Victoria's video, Like a Dog. She actually has a pretty cool yes. website, uh, which is, I believe it's just victoriajackson.com. Is that it? That's right. And we can find the Like a Dog over there, too, right? Yeah. Great. Awesome. Yay. Hey, let's not wait 11 years again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you. Hey, Joe Tater. Oh, Tater wants to go for a walk. And you know what? All our animals want to go for a walk now. And in fact, I need my daily walk. I need my exercise. So hopefully, Judy, will you take me for a walk? I will, because you know, you want to keep your New Year's resolution intact by exercising. So that's what we're going to do after the show. You should do it, too. If you need your fix during the week of Animal Radio, head on over to animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye. See you next week. This is Animal Radio Network.